Reading the Kingdom, we are live with episode 119, Greatness is on the Clock. Eric and I, uh, your usual host, but we have a surprise guest today, uh, unless you've been living in the black hole, or I guess the black hole is applicable here. We have JT, the brick, with us today, and if I could applause, I would, but there's no one else to join me besides Eric. JT, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here, guys. Appreciate it, especially coming off the draft. How are you? We're, we're, we're very good. Very excited. We actually covered the draft uh, on day one for the podcast. We met up with mm -hmm. uh, one of your coworkers, uh, Q, yeah. over there. And uh, we, we miss seeing you there, but we know you had your own. Did you have a live show going on? In yeah, I anchored, I anchored the Raiders draft at the team facility with Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. We did that oh, Thursday, okay. Friday. And uh, it was interesting, you know, a lot of picks, a lot of analysis and, uh, you know, really good time overall. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I've been doing this uh, going on 25 years for the Raiders. So this was a lot of fun, especially being in their building, their new facility and having the access to their studio and podcast uh, studio and all that. It was a lot of fun. That's that's just amazing. And um, and if anyone doesn't know, JT is on Raider Nation Radio, Mad Dog Radio, Sirius XM and the JT and Looney uh, podcast show so check him out he's everywhere on everything and uh we're just so fortunate to have you here so i kind of wanted to jump right into to the draft you know as i said eric and i were there on night one and you know we we listened to a lot of coverage there and, and kind of we know peter king was in the draft room that night as well mm -hmm. and it seemed that the raiders were kind of semi fixated on on paris johnson and then the way things enveloped you know we ended up with with tyree wilson which was a surprise to me but i was also you know, very happy about the pick in my heart of hearts. I, I did kind of Eric saw me have a little reaction when CJ Stroud went, went at two a little earlier than I anticipated. And then uh, Jalen Carter, you know, slid and, and of course went to the Eagles at nine. I was curious, did, did you see it kind of going that way? And was there any player that you specifically were, were kind of convinced the Raiders were going to take at seven? Yeah, I was I was not in the dark, but I didn't know that Tyree Wilson would be available at seven. I thought he was going to go anywhere from five, you know, to eight or nine. So if he was there, he was on my mock. I definitely thought he was in play, but I knew the Raiders, if they could get a quarterback, they were interested. You know, we knew before the draft that they had indications that they wanted to trade up to number one to Chicago before that deal went down with Carolina, I would assume it was for Bryce Young or they were thinking about that. And C.J. Stroud was really interesting because going into the morning of the draft, there were a lot of insiders saying that he could start dropping. And if he was going to drop down to seven, I think that would have been a lock, a home run to possibly Absolutely. get him there if he fell there. But I didn't think the Raiders had the ability to give up anything. Remember the year before in Dave Ziegler's first draft, he didn't have a first and second round pick because of Devontae Adams. And they waited the entire offseason to get to the draft. And I didn't think they wanted to give up a lot to make a move there. Seven, they were going to get a good player. I thought it was going to be Devon Weatherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. I thought that was just of a need or defensive tackle. I think we understand why Jalen Carter was dropping. And once Seattle didn't take him at five, I thought he was in play for the Raiders clearly at seven. But they made an organizational decision to go with Tyree Wilson, who I think is a really good pick because they have rotational players up front and they got to do a better job in an environment where they could get multiple players on the defensive line at the quarterback. Case in point, Patrick Mahomes, who runs around like a madman. Justin Herbert, who's more stationary. Russell Wilson, who was mobile earlier in his career. So this is a player in Tyree Wilson who will start he doesn't have to start every play. He can move inside. Chandler Jones can move inside. 
but a massive need to clean up the Raiders' inefficiency at getting to the quarterback. I, I absolutely agree. And, and leading up to the draft, I had written an article for Raider Ramble. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, about replacements for Chandler Jones. And it seems that he may not only – he's not really going to kind of come in as a replacement. It seems that, as you said, we've seen Patrick Graham do – you know. He kind of sticks to the four three, but we've seen him even rush the the five two, which could theoretically put all three of them at the line at the same time. Um, and then I believe it was one of your draft summaries. You said that you think Tyree Wilson kind of needs to get in there and get in immediately. None of this kind of learn, you know, learn as a rookie, take a couple of rotations. And you think he needs to kind of hit the ground running once the season starts? Absolutely. I, whoever they took, other than a quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo. The player has to play it right out of the gate. It's a first-round pick. It's a top pick. It's a top seven pick. I mean, those type of players have to play, period. And you got to get them on the field more so than you would initially think. So I think that Tyree Wilson, who's coming off the foot injury and should be 100% ready to go, is going to be explosive off the edge. And, again, I think they they are going to be a lot of different looks with Patrick Graham's defense. When I had Dave Ziegler on exclusively – uh, the day after, or the Monday after, excuse me, I talked to him about this topic. He gave me 30 minutes, and we dove into how this defense could look. So let's just say Kansas City, for example, gets the ball on the 25. Yet Raiders kick it out of the end zone. Mm-hmm. That first play, Tyree Wilson could be in there. It could be Chandler Jones. If Mahomes picks up eight yards or a first down, boom, one comes out, one comes in. So who cares if you started the first play, but you're in, at the 25, at the 30, at the 50, at the 40, and you're in there getting multiple snaps. Max Crosby's probably not going to come off the field, but Max needs a little bit of a break from time to time because he just won't come out of the game. So imagine if you're going to leave Chandler Jones in and Tyree Wilson, give Max a little bit of time, and they have a rotation of about five defensive tackles, six. Possibly, I think they'll carry four or five coming into the season. They went out and got Byron Young. Uh, from Alabama, he hopefully, same thing, third-round pick, high pick from Alabama, he's got to play. He's going to be initially in a rotation, but I expect him to win that rotation and then be a perennial starter there because if he's not going to be a perennial starter, there was no need to take him in the third round. Go get a cornerback or go get someone else. So I'm a big believer that there's got to be pressure on the top three or four picks to play, including Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. You know, you got you got tight ends on the roster, but he's got to be the best one the second he comes in the door and proves he can play. Absolutely. I was listening to some other draft analysts, and and right as you said on the Michael or uh, Michael Mayer pick there, they were describing him as in uh, not a sexy pick, that he doesn't really do anything all that well. But then you hear other comparisons where people are calling him Little Gronk. I think even Rob Gronkowski himself mentioned that he saw similarities. I don't know if I'll ever have an actual duplicate Gronkowski, but – I was curious what your take was on the pick. I was surprised by it, but when you look at the Darren Waller exodus, it kind of made sense. So I was curious your reaction on that. Yeah, I think it was a must pick, and it was very important to them because of Darren Waller uh, leaving to go to the Giants. They had to get a tight end. Austin Hooper has had a nice career. O.J. Howard. There could be some upside with these guys. They're not old. They're not old at all. And, you know, Austin Hooper is a two-time pro bowler. O.J. Howard played at Alabama on a championship team. In the NFL, he can play, but this pick was a really important pick, guys, because at the end of the first round, the Raiders were talking to Kansas City, ironically, about, you know, maybe if they wanted to trade in and Kansas City was asking something ridiculous. So they backed off. But when they ended that day, 
and they went to bed at night and they came back, he was their priority. So as you know, they traded up to get him and they probably would have traded up to get him in the first round. So they had a top 15 grade on him overall on their board. They don't have a big board, kind of like New England. They've dove into every player. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are pretty meticulous, but this was a priority player for them. So they had to give up a little bit to go up in the second round, but they didn't have to go and pay first round money and get their second pick. And they got a first round player, two first round players uh, starting off the second round. So I think they accomplished their big goal for those you know, who are trying to figure out a grade for the Raiders, B, B minus, whatever it is. The bottom line is they got Wilson and Mayer, two first round talents early in the draft who are going to start and have an impact on the team. And Mayer's got to be really good early too, because Jimmy Garoppolo had George Kittle, as you know, and George Kittle, a lot of the times was wide open because of Brandon Ayuk and because of Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and their successful running game. The Raiders have a very similar offense to that of the 49ers. I would say better because Jimmy Garoppolo left the 49ers. He's better than what they have there. Uh, Devontae Adams is better than anyone on the 49ers offense. Absolutely. Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, who's on the roster. And then you look at the leading rusher in the NFL, it's Josh Jacobs, and then they bring in a tight end who was much more acclaimed than George Kittle coming out of college. So they're making Jimmy Garoppolo really comfortable in the short passing game and the ability to work uh, play action with Josh Jacobs. So I am excited and thrilled by the Raider offense. You know, that we can get into this, I'm sure we will later, about their depth on the offensive line. It's not an elite offensive line but they have elite weapons everywhere on that offense. And that hopefully will keep them on the field more. And if they stay on the field more, it'll give their defense a bit more of a breather. So their defense can probably play at a little bit of a higher level. They have no choice. It's been a really bad defense the last four or five years, and it's got to improve. I agree 100%. And just, I mean, I know you're not a salesman, JT, but you just kind of convinced me that the Raiders might win more games than I've kind of been uh, getting in my head as we get closer to the schedule release. Uh, you brought up a good point. You described Dave Ziegler as meticulous. I've seen you sat down and, you know, I've been following you for a long time, as has, mm-hmm. as has Eric, and I've seen you sit down with John Gruden, you know, obviously an unfortunate departure, but a legend in his own right, and then Mike Mayock. How would you, now that we've seen Ziegler with his or with his uh, first first-round pick as opposed to last year, how would you compare the two styles in the draft? Uh, similar, different, and in, in what way? A good question. I think that the Raiders beforehand, and, two regimes before, Reggie McKenzie, Mike Mayock, now it's Dave Ziegler. They're all great guys. I think the world of all of them, and they did their best. You know, some players absolutely bust out, right? You think you're going to bring in a good player like Henry Ruggs? We know what happened to him. Damon Arnett, that was a reach. They admitted to that. Cleland Farrell, a massive reach. Good guy, good player, not elite. So I think what Dave Ziegler did in the first two picks is he hit home run players who aren't risky. They're not reaches. They were the best players available probably at that position. So that started off for him. I also think that Dave is very calm. He's not a big rah-rah guy. He's not going to be in the war room and freaking out if all of a sudden his player, but the player before him is the player he wanted. And there's going to be a calming element to him because he's so prepared. So that's what I take from him. He's really good at preparing his entire board and his scouting department You know, what the Raiders did over the last year, which a lot of analysts aren't aware of, so they don't give the Raiders any credit for it, is they redid their entire scouting department. So Dave Ziegler brought in a brand new scouting department, along with Champ Bailey, who's the assistant GM, and they have a different style 
than Gruden and Mayock and Reggie McKenzie and Jack Del Rio before that. We're going to see if it works. There's no guarantee that it's going to work. And there's never a guarantee with these GMs that they're going to hit a home run like Seattle did in Kansas City did last year, or they're going to have a bad one. Everybody's claiming Philadelphia had the greatest draft of all time. Why? Because they took two Georgia Bulldogs in the first round. Is that is that a lock for anything? But people assume it's going to be good. So with Dave Ziegler, I think they have someone who's going about it the way they went about it correctly with the Patriots. Draft the right player and then develop the player. Don't draft him and say, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's getting a gold, gold jacket. Let's develop that player. And the Patriots, they had their hit and misses too over the decades, but they're they're much better than the Raiders or any other team in football. Maybe just Kansas City would be the only one now that's better at drafting smart, developing the player. And then if they're going to lose the player, get someone in return who brings in really good value. So that's what I think is Ziegler as he starts off here. I mean, that, that's a, a perfect analysis and kind of what you said about him being silent and prepared. You know, they always say, don't fear the dog barking at you. Fear the silent one that's just staring. And uh, that kind of gives me a calming presence just as a fan that they're that prepared. And, you know, everyone has their different styles. You saw the Lions draft room and they're punching each other and, and going crazy for the picks, which is fine. But uh, the, the level of preparedness, if, if you see kind of that as a different from the difference from the old regime, that, that should yeah. be comforting to fans. Yeah, I think it should be. And then they took their shots. They took Trey Tucker out of uh, Cincinnati, the wide receiver, who's yeah. undersized. But if you look at his tape, his tape is incredible. And I got the tape. And, oh, my God, the way, you know, very similar as we talk about Kansas City here. The Raiders have been chasing, and they really got the player in Henry Ruggs until the tragedy. They've been right. trying to chase getting someone great who can be that player that, you know, Tyreek was to get a player that could just be an impact guy behind the line of scrimmage deep, an explosive player. They've been trying to get a player like that for a while. And Ruggs was the guy. They had him. And he was going to be a Raider for a decade and a speed demon and the the long threat and the guy who could catch, you know, the, the ball at the line of scrimmage and make someone miss. After that event went down, they needed to get another player like that. So they got Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati which at that point, I didn't want that player because I thought they should have been hammering on the defense. Their exactly. first two out of three players were defense, Tyree Wilson and Byron Young. Then they went Tucker and the uh, before Jacorian Bennett, the defensive back from Maryland. So you know, the only thing I wanted to see was four out of the first players being defense. And they threw a curveball in with Trey Tucker because everyone in that war room really wanted him because of the tape and what they thought he could do and how he could bring some explosive – capability to this organization, something that they're yearning to get. So they had a couple of curveballs and Aiden O'Connell, they took a quarterback, which I didn't think was necessary at the time. But now that I look back at it, that was the perfect quarterback to be under Garoppolo in case you had to break the glass in case of emergency. And a guy who's very accurate and can come in as a rookie and quickly get the ball out. Not a mobile guy, but boom, 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 boom. The ball comes out and everybody's going to get their hands on it. So you know, all those picks that they made, some of them were obvious ones to me. But then I think the Raider Nation should be pretty excited that they threw a couple of curveballs looking to get that right player who can make the difference in the short term. I definitely agree. And, and I, similar to you, the Trey Tucker pick was a little confusing to me. I believe his, his teammate Tyler Scott was still on the board at the time who, you know, had more of a productive season. But, you know, they see what they see in the physical attributes and uh, what they see on tape does matter. Was there any player that you saw them pass over 
you know, we talked about Jalen Carter, but we understand that the pass on that Devin Witherspoon went at five. That wasn't really an option. Is there anyone that you, you kind of wish they had gone with uh, when you were watching the draft unfold? No, I'm not a particular player because, you know, I don't dive into second, third and fourth round players typically, but I will tell you that I really thought that they would have got a right guard or a right tackle. I think that once we got into the fourth round or the third round when the Trey Tucker pick came or even the, not to Jacorian Bennett, because I like him too, but at Mm -hmm. any point they could have took an offensive lineman, a starter, and they did a great job in in free agency, undrafting free agencies. They got two studs who were supposed to get drafted and they got them quickly. That's for another conversation down the road if they make the team and develop. But I would just say in general, if they would have got out of the draft with a linebacker earlier, or a right side offensive lineman, a right guard, or a right tackle, I would have been good with that. But the Raiders are pretty confident that their offense is pretty good. They led the league in rushing uh, in regards to one player who led the league in rushing. Uh, They improved on the offensive line with a seven-man rotation. Most of those players are back. They're another year more mature. But to answer your question, I wouldn't have been shocked, and I probably would have preferred them taking an offensive lineman, starting the third or fourth round, just get it out of the way and have that player who could develop into a starter. Absolutely. And I I was pretty nervous about the offensive line last year. I won't lie about that. And they ended up holding up better than, better than I thought. And obviously the run game was, was kind of indicative of that. You know, Josh Jacobs had a, had a phenomenal year. You had mentioned, you know, wide receivers trying to get that Tyreek Hill guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite all-time NFL players, not just a Raider, Devontae Adams, just an absolute, you know, weapon at the receiver position. Um, kind of just Raiders fans speculating, but people are nervous that, uh, you know, his his college teammate Derek Carr is mm-hmm. gone. Uh, he seemed to have won some input on the quarterback position. He was trying to get a Rodgers reunion back together. Obviously, he's in, in New York now. Um, is there any fear of, of him maybe, any feeling in the building that he may be wanting out uh, no. possibly after the season. No, none at all. Not at all. Not that, not that I'm aware of. His wife loves it here. He loves Vegas. He loves, well, that's key right there. The he loves the facility. He's got a really good quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. If they didn't replace Derek with someone who's as good or definitely better in the red zone, that would be a fair point. And I think Devonte loves his lifestyle out here in Vegas. You just saw him at the Kentucky Derby and He's golfing around town and he's at all the big restaurants. And I, th- I think he loves it here, actually. A lot of players love it here for a number of reasons. But, you know, that could always change. I don't think it's going to change with Devontae. I think Devontae understands that he's the focal point of this offense. He's played in a lot of big games before he got here with Green Bay. And he needs to play in big games now. So as the Raiders reset this roster, not rebuild, but reset it, I think Devontae is the cornerstone of the entire roster. He's the best player in the league, I think, at his position. Agreed. Um, He's in the prime of his career. He needs to win, and he's involved. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels has him involved with the decisions and what they're doing here in an open line of communication. You know, some of the bad rap that Josh McDaniels gets is ridiculous because no one knows him. No one knows him at all. I, I interview him every week on television, his coach's show. And he's a good guy, but fans don't like him because he came from New England or, you know, he's involved in New England. What's that mean? Uh, He's got six Super Bowl rings and he struggled in Denver as a head coach. And now he gets an opportunity here. What really hurt the Raiders last year is they had five double digit leads in the second half of games. The first team ever to lose all those five. You know, in reality, a lot of Raider fans don't want to hear this. If they win three out of those five or four out of those five, which they should have. 
which they should have a couple of them easily. You know, we're talking about a nine-win team. So go from a 10-win team to a nine-win team with an improving roster. But the fact that the Raiders went to six wins really agitated a lot of fans. Just win, baby, who want to win. And that's got to change. Because 100%. even though they have a long-term plan that Mark Davis is backing, and they, they clearly are instilling a long-term plan, not a radical plan to bring in a whole bunch of free agents and spend all this money and go up against the cap, this is a fiscally responsible plan to really build the team that will have legs long-term. But that's what John Gruden and Mayock wanted to do. And that's what other uh, GMs wanted to do. And going back to Al Davis, who was a brilliant GM and had great moments. At the end of Mr. Davis's life, he was shooting for home runs, trying to get one more, one more Super Bowl. And he got the Raiders to one more Super Bowl that they lost with Tampa. There's different styles here. Now it's the Dave Ziegler era with the Raiders from the personnel department. And I'd be very encouraged because I think you got a really sharp guy there that's looking at this roster saying, all right, let's get the right player here and there. Let's keep the players that we like because he deconstructed the roster last year while the season was ongoing. As you know, Derek Carr got benched the last two games. They couldn't afford him to get hurt. And they started releasing players, Jonathan Abram, other players being benched because they were deconstructing the roster, trying to get it ready for this draft, this free agency, and this upcoming training camp so they can tinker it and make the team better. And I think they're on the right path. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, it's, I think they're looking at, at the future in a very methodical way. I don't see a lot of uh, rush judgments. I feel like, you know, the car thing was part of the plan when the season started to go on the decline and uh, it, it's tough it's tough to stomach. And, you know, I'm a, I'm from new England, but I despise the Patriots. So this has been tough for me to accept, but I'll accept winning by any means. And if that's, what's going to come out of it, then like you well, said, just you're, you're a good example of, of what's happening in the problem. And I, I won't, I don't think it's a problem in general, but the noise, you know, I'm in the noise business. It's what I do. I make noise and I listen to noise. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the Raiders, there's a lot of noise now about what the Patriots did and the Patriots, every Raider fan needs to get over this. The Patriots won six Super Bowls. I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And and that's one of the issues. It would be very similar if – I'll give you a good example. If if the Warriors – say the Warriors are most recent NBA dynasty. And all of a sudden, you look at the Warriors' rivals. Who are they? Say it's Sacramento. Perfect example here. Warriors-Sacramento. And all of a sudden, if Steve Kerr left the Warriors and went to Sacramento and he brought Steph Curry, would everybody in Sacramento go crazy and say, oh, my God, I hate the Warriors? Screw the Warriors. I hate them. I don't want Steve Kerr. I don't want Steph Curry. That's kind of what's happening here in the Raider Nation. They're saying, you know, the Patriots who had all this success, we don't want the Patriots or the Patriot way. And I I just sit back and laugh. Whoever wins, whoever has the best organization, who's ever currently winning, has the best uh, scouts, sometimes the best coaches. And the problem is a lot of the former Patriot assistants, as you know, have gone on and they haven't done well as head coaches. But Josh McDaniels is a really sharp guy, and now he's starting to get his system in place with his quarterback, with his backup quarterback, with the type of players he wants on offense. Trey Tucker is a perfect example, along with what they got with Michael Mayer. looks like Gronk, right? So they're starting to put this together with Hunter Renfro there. And what they have, now let's see if Josh McDaniels can do what he's supposed to do. Put an offense in that's going to be more efficient, faster, and more explosive because as a Raider fan, any Raider fan watching this knows this, what they've been preaching to us in the last year is they want faster, smarter, 
and more explosive players. Well, they just did that. Tyree Wilson's fast. Uh, Trey Tucker's fast. Um, these players are faster, more explosive. I don't know how smart they are. They need smarter players because if you've been watching the Raider defense over the last two, three, four years, they haven't played smart football. And now Patrick Graham supposedly needs smarter players because he wants to elevate his scheme and put in NASCAR packages in five corners, six corners, take a linebacker out, have you know three edge rushers in at the same time. He's got it. He's got it. Now that defense has got to elevate to give Josh McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo the ball a little bit more. Exactly. And uh, and you mentioned the, the need for speed. And obviously, we, we know those kind of an Al Davis favorite. Ja'Cory and mm-hmm. Bennett, I believe, ran a 4-3 flat. And everyone said, oh, yeah. Al Davis would have loved that pick. And they took him at the right time, I think, too, which is great. Um, and before we let you go, JT, our, mm-hmm. our Chiefs representative here, Eric, did have a question for you. Here we go. You got it. So do you think, JT, the Raiders have done enough to – I know we've just pretty much been talking about this the last 25 minutes, but done enough to close the gap between the Chiefs and them? And after what the Chiefs did in the draft, do you think they've uh, – do you think they're closer? Or do you think the Chiefs have kind of continued to exceed and, 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 and build and be better? Because I think with those first three picks, they addressed needs that they needed. Yeah, the Chiefs are a fantastic team, and they're the reigning champs. And do I think the Raiders closed the gap? Absolutely. But I hope it's just not by a little. Okay, you know, how big's the gap? The gap's pretty big. The gap is enormous because the Raiders, you know, they had an epic win with Derek Carr a couple of years ago. But since then, Kansas City's come into Vegas and just beat the Raiders badly. And the Raiders did not close the gap, and the gap got bigger. And that's the key now, where New England, New England with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniel were part of teams that were able to beat the Chiefs. Now, Mahomes has changed everything, but they have the blueprint on maybe how to do it, and they'd like to give it to the Raiders to do it now. So I think they changed, I think they closed the gap to answer your question by a little. I'm not going to say by 50% or 75% or closed it at all. That would be reckless by me, because until the Raiders prove they can stop Travis Kelsey, which they haven't been able to do, until they prove that they could get Mahomes off the field and contain him with a better edge rush, which they haven't been able to do, until the Raiders prove that their over-the-top coverage with their corners and safeties are good enough to let Patrick Mahomes know that if he throws it deep, it's going to get picked off, then it's the same issue that the Raiders have had. So, again, I, I'm always optimistic this time of year. I was with Gruden and Mayock. I was with Reggie and Jack, and I am now with Josh and Dave that they look at the Chiefs as the elite team in the division and say, we have to do this, this, and this to bring them back and to rein them back in again. It's like catching a fish, right? You catch the fish, you got it on the hook, but then you're trying to reel it back in and then boom, the fish breaks away and you lose it. So until I see the Raiders beat Kansas City at Allegiant Stadium, until I see the Raiders who last season dominated Kansas City in Arrowhead in the first half of that game, one of their collapses, one of their second half leads that blew. Until mm. they are able to figure that out, Kansas City is still the elite team. But I will end on this. You know, all the pundits and the talking heads who have told us the last couple of years that Denver's better than the Raiders, how'd that work out? The Raiders mm. got Vic Fangio and uh, their last coach just fired because when you lose to the Raiders, it magnifies everything. So Nathaniel Hackett getting swept by the Raiders, Gonzo, goodbye. And then the Raiders usually split with the Chargers. You know, they usually split with Justin Herbert, who still hasn't won a playoff game. You know, Derek Carr went to one playoff, really two, the injury year and the 
last year and didn't win a playoff game. Justin Herbert, who's better than Derek Carr, hasn't won a playoff game yet. And when you look at his skill set and what he has the ability to do, I mean, losing that game, excuse me, the way they lost that game to Jacksonville was just a crushing, crushing defeat for them. So uh, the Raiders are going to hang in that division. And if a couple of other teams will help out beating Kansas City, how about that? Let me throw that in. Philadelphia is playing them again this year. Denver, uh, the Chargers, whoever else is on Kansas City's schedule, if those teams knock them off, and all of a sudden Kansas City's four and three instead of seven and one, then I think everybody in the AFC West will send those teams a thank you card and say thanks for keeping us in the division until we get to November and we have a puncher's chance. But as of today, Kansas City's still the best team in the AFC West, and everybody's chasing them. That's what I like to hear. So Arrowhead West is still a thing. No, no, it's not. No, we're not no, doing that. No, thank no, Yeah, JT uh, just said it right there. And it's remember, not, yeah. the, the Chiefs have the same amount of Super Bowls as the Raiders. They don't have five. They don't have six. They don't have eight. They're not the Patriots. And, again, this last one you got was a really good one. And I thought Philadelphia was the better team. And if Jalen Hurts didn't put the ball on the ground by himself to give up a score, even though everyone claimed Jalen Hurts had the greatest Super Bowl of all time, no, he didn't. He put the ball on the ground without getting stripped, without getting sacked, without being touched. And Kansas City wins that Super Bowl. But game. I got to tip my cap. I've been involved, again, 24 years with the Raiders. Uh, the rivalry with the Raiders in Kansas City, it's been one-sided as of a while now. And the Raiders had that rivalry over the decades for about as long as Kansas City has it now. But it's the goal of the Raiders to reel back in Kansas City. And it's going to take a lot of work because Andy Reid's a hell of a coach and Patrick Mahomes might end up being a Mount Rushmore player. He is going to be one of the greatest players of all time and that is a problem here in las vegas until the raiders can put his ass on the ground on a consistent basis put patrick mahomes ass on the ground consistently because that's the only way to beat these guys well that, that's where i'm hoping that tyree wilson comes into play and i saw that mahomes asked him to take it easy on him uh, once the season yeah. starts so i hope that there's a little bit of true fear there because uh, we haven't been putting him down all that much recently but uh, JT, we appreciate you more than you know, and uh, this has been a, a true blessing for us to have you on the show. Um, my you pleasure. Want to sh guys. Shout out any of the programs so that everyone can catch you on. Yeah, I mean, my my show's on every day, noon to two, on the Raiders mobile app. It's a great app because you can hear the show live. We have a national audience with the Raiders, so Raider fans are calling in from London and Miami and New Jersey, and you just go to the Raiders website, Raiders.com, or the Raiders mobile app for free. That's noon to two Pacific. And I'm talking Raiders and then all of our podcasts and everything's up on the home site at Raiders.com. And I appreciate you guys. Look forward to sharing this and listening and coming on again in the future. Uh, maybe after a Kansas City win this year, after Ooh. the Raiders beat Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. The amount of confidence. Maybe this... you can fit me in on a Monday or a Tuesday after that. <laughs> oh, we'll fit you in, JT. We'll fit you in. And you've given Brendan so much more confidence after this episode that, um, that we appreciate that. I feel it very well. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much, JT.